if you start with that seed of thought in your mind that everyone that you look at can be fired at any moment or is expendable and can be replaced, like you've already done a disservice, I think, to your business. Because my mind, it's the opposite. It's that I want to keep everybody. Your business is not a pyramid. It's a round table where every voice should matter. You're listening to the Culture Camp Podcast, where we believe that if you build your dream team, anything is possible. Tune in each week to hear from an amazing lineup of athletes, CEOs, founders, and more who have created winning cultures in their organizations. Each will share the secrets to creating a culture in your business that will lead you to thrive. Here is your host, Jason Haugen. All right, welcome back to another episode of Culture Camp. I have a really good treat for you today. One of my favorite guys, super, super excited to have you, Dr. Jerry Chittister. Dr. Chitty, welcome, man. What's up, Jason? Thanks for having me, bro. Hey, thank you so much for coming on here. I know you have a really busy schedule, and I'm really excited about this today because you go right down my alley in Culture Camp. So you got a great culture, great brand, and I'm excited to talk about that. Yeah, it's awesome. I remember we last met or talked in person. I, we just kind of connected so much. We were talking about our businesses and culture. For sure. And then you told me I had this podcast. I'm like, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you started talking about what you did in, in other clinics and kind of consulting. I'm like, dude, that's exactly like right down my alley. Like I got to get you on it. So I'm really grateful for you, man. Thank you for being on here. I know it was a long drive and you just got out of the operating room, literally texting <laughs> yeah, like, dude, I'm I, still in my scrubs. Dude, I love it. It fits the, fits the, the <laughs> it fits it perfect. Then, you know, you busted here and it's like an hour away from your house. So I really appreciate you being here. Of course, man. So I want to talk about, you know, a lot today, you know, going from, but I, what I want to start is the beginning. You've had a unique childhood. You grew up overseas and you feel like, you know, we were just talking off, uh, off camera, off recording that you kind of made you and molded you into kind of who you are today. You, you, touch on that for a little bit? Yeah. So just my background a little bit, like you brought up, my mom's from Thailand originally. My dad's from Utah and they actually met in Chicago. My dad was at dental school. And so after he finished dental school, we came back to Utah. He started his own dental practice, doing his own business. And he decided to take a job in Saudi Arabia. So I was oh, pretty wow. young. Yeah. I have three younger sisters, but the time we we're all super young. I think I was like six or seven. And my dad decided to up and move our whole family overseas to Saudi Arabia. So we were there. I was there for about six years. My dad was there for about seven years. So there was a time where my mom and my sisters were all here and he was there by himself. I really think the beginning for me of just being exposed to all different types of, you know, backgrounds, whether it's ethnicities, religions. I went to an international school and all my friends were from all over the world, you know, from like England, Somalia, Bosnia, India, Pakistan, Australia, cool. all over. And so we, we all came together. We all were just super good friends. And it really helped open my perspective into saying, hey, like, it doesn't matter where you're from or what you believe. You can get along. You can be friends. And I'm still lifelong friends with a lot of them. And so- That's awesome. Yeah, that was an amazing experience. That's really cool. How long were you there? You said six years? Almost six years, yeah. Wow, that's- Most and of that, my childhood. And yeah, I mean, that's where like your, your foundation. So you may not know this, but I definitely relate to that because I actually went to basically an international school here in Utah. No way. Um, we had over- Wow. God, I can't even remember. Like most of my school was not from the United States. Really? Yeah. I mean, we were definitely the minority. We had, mm. like, I think I graduated with only like 45 people, maybe maybe yeah. 10 or 15 of us were from the United States. And it's still kind of like that today. They do have a huge international program. Cool. And, you know, I'm very much like you. I grew up where, yeah, like I'm the kind of the only, I guess you can say like white dude in the, in the class. And I'm just used to like so much. And it's not even like, you know, black, white. It was just a, a lot of different yeah, than this. Yeah. I mean, we had guys from all over, girls from all over Asia and Africa and Europe. And wow. that's just what we grew up in. I mean, we were learning different languages and like, dude, that's 
super cool because like we're we're like definitely relating on another level right now but that's awesome i mean it just shows that like like i love culture and we that's why you know named this culture camp because i grew up in so many different cultures like yeah learning so much about different different things and still to this day i'm like you i still am uh like close to some of these people and i you know i went to thailand actually um, not too long ago stopped in korea hung out with some friends in korea for a little bit i mean it was a blast so so when you came back from the from saudi arabia did you come to utah did you go you went straight to utah yeah, so I, we moved to South Jordan. That's where we had built a home originally. And then we went back to Saudi Arabia for a year. I did some middle school there and then came back. So when we came back here, it was like, all right, we're here for good. My dad's contract ended there and we moved here. So then I went to a public school here and it was just night and day difference. Right. You know, it's like very homogeneous. And that and that's Utah's population. That's fine. But it really, because of the different perspective I had, I just, there were many times I felt like I just didn't fit in, you know, because I was used to having exposure to all these different cultures, like you said, and there's just so much not that way here. Right, yeah. So I had a hard time, I think, adjusting at first. And so when I was in high school, a lot of my friends, we were just a group of kind of like hodgepodge kids, you know, because I just was friends with whoever I just felt like we got along with. And then we were able to kind of all hang out together, even everyone was different. Because I was looking, I think, to kind of continue that culture that I had found overseas. I really didn't I understand until I was like a senior in high school. And then I just realized like how important it was to me in my life to just be nice and talk to everybody. You know, right. and I, I felt like I, for a while I'd isolated myself. But then I realized like life's too short to spend time like not being friends with everyone. Right. You know, and that's been huge for me. And I feel like I've tried to continue that in my life, even in on a professional level, you know, just being kind to everyone. Cause I really believe in, you know, karma, whatever you want to call it. I think what you put out in the world comes back to you. Uh, I think it comes back 10 hundred fold. Right. And it may not look that way at the time, but when you do that, those kind acts or those things where you reach out to people, it definitely comes back to you in a positive way. For sure. And I, I love the fact that like, you know, most of the time, you know, well, your experiences, I mean, it sounds like you had some very positive experiences that shaped you into to who you are now because you, like, you are a super nice guy and you have like a great personality. Thanks. And right when I met you, I'm like, wow, like this dude is so awesome. I mean, you have accolades, which we can get into. I mean, you're a board certified plastic surgeon. You've been practicing in Salt Lake for, for four years. You have a, a practice called the, was the, the plastics clinics and yeah. you can go at the plastics clinics on uh, Instagram there. Yeah. And then also on at Instagram, Dr. Chitty. You know, you've created a brand and a culture on your your what you do now and your 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 plastics clinic that's insane. So, you know, going back to when you were getting out of high school, how long did you know you were going into plastic surgery? Yeah. Was it like, oh heck, you know, I'm just gonna do it? Was it a lifelong dream? Like, I'm I'm really interested in that because everybody's yeah. got a different story. So, my wife Mindy, who runs my practice, she's my boss. <laughs> uh, we've known each other since high school, since juniors. So pretty oh, wow. much when I came back from Saudi Arabia, you know, I'd met her not too long after. And so we dated on off in high school. We're high school sweethearts, all that stuff. She swears that when I was in high school, I said, yeah, I want to be, I wanted to be a surgeon, like a heart surgeon. I always wanted to be a cardiothoracic surgeon. I thought that was so cool. You're saving lives. It's intense surgery, you know, just, just awesome right. stuff. Hours long. Yeah, like, hours yeah. long, you know. And so that actually was my drive originally. I wanted to be a surgeon. I'm a very like visual hands-on person and I love that. And so, but I also loved like architecture. I loved computer. There's so many things. I'm like, I don't know what I want to do. And then I went away for two years uh, to Thailand on a mission for, for the LDS church. And that's kind of when I came back, that's what solidified to me that I wanted to do something where I felt like I could help and serve other people where it wasn't self-serving my job, but it was more like, how can I help improve other people's lives? And so I went to undergraduate studies up at the U 
and I stayed there for medical school. So I was there for eight years. Oh, wow. Indy and I got married when I came home. So we've been married now 18 and a half years. Congratulations. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. And so it was in medical school that I figured I want to be a plastic surgeon. So I got into medical school. I was doing research with a cardiothoracic surgeon and I started learning like, oh my gosh, their lives are not what I thought. Like it's, it was not what I wanted. You really? know, we're married, we're trying to have kids. And I was like, I'll never be home right. as a cardiothoracic surgeon. The stress levels are really high. The surgeries to me, I was like, they're kind of repetitive, you know, no offense, any cardiothoracic surgeons. But right. it just wasn't. And we need you. <laughs> yeah, we need you. Yeah. But it wasn't fitting what I thought I wanted to do. And so I had this kind of moment, this like, existential moment. I was like, I don't know what I want to do anymore. I'm here in medical school and I have no clue. So I literally went to, we had a career fair day and I went to every booth. I was looking at like anesthesia, really? ER medicine, psychiatry. Yes, I was very open-minded. I'm like, so just out of school, you just, oh, there's a bunch of different booths from yeah, different. Yeah, all these booths. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah, I was in med school. I just visited all these tables and I left there. I'm like more confused. But I went to the plastic surgery table and in my mind, I watched Grey's Anatomy growing up. Jackson, you know? my guy. See, Jackson or McSteamy even <laughs> right. before Jackson. For sure. And all I knew was like, oh yeah, they do like breast augmentation and rhinoplasty, you know, nose jobs. Right. I'm like that's kind of boring. But then I sat down at this table and the surgeon, I, I know her till this day, she's still there. She said, you know, plastic surgery is not all about boob jobs and nose jobs. I'm like, hmm, like piqued my interest. Cause I'm like, that's all I knew right. even in med school. And so she kind of told us everything, you know, reconstruction, head to toe, hand surgery, cleft lip and palate surgery. You know, obviously there's cosmetic, oh, wow. but the, the aesthetic is such a small part of plastic surgery. Right. You know, transplantation surgery, kidneys, that all started with plastic surgery. Really? Hand transplant, face transplant. Yeah. So I was just blown away. And I came home, I told my wife, I was like, this is what I, I want to do. So in third year, I, we have a two week rotation where we rotate with different specialties. And I was supposed to be with the heart surgeons and I changed it in the last minute. I said, I really? want to do plastics. So I did two weeks of plastics. And I remember I came, I have a photo still. I, it pops up on my Facebook once in a while where I'm standing in the mirror in the bathroom between one of the cases. And I'm like, this is what I want to do. And so I look back at that photo because I look at like how young I was back then. Right. And I was so naive. But like at that moment, I knew that was like my calling. And so ever since then, everything that's led up to this point today, I think has all been in because of that moment. And uh, that's when I figured out, I knew it. I was in love. I'm like, this specialty I can never get bored of. And the things we can do to help people not just feel more confident in their outward appearance, but just on their inward selves too, functionally speaking, you know? So that's what I love. It's like you're blending the function of the body, whether it's hand surgery or like cleft lip, you know, fixing a lip to, right. to be able to speak or eat or drink. And then you're blending that with the aesthetics of it where it can look more, you know, proportionate or more, not normal per se, because what's normal, but like something more pleasing to themselves, not right. to please other people, but for yourself. Right. Just self-confidence. I mean, yeah. And that's so cool because, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I, you kind of just do think about, oh, it's just a bunch of boob jobs and yeah. nose jobs and, you know, this and that and the other, but you really are helping people and changing lives and yeah. children all the way up. I mean, that's huge because there's a lot of things that bother people or something's going on or like a cleft. Like, yeah. That's a huge deal to be oh, able yeah. to, to give that person just a, like, even if it's 30% or 50% more confidence, that's, that's a big deal to them. And that's, they're going to remember that for the rest of their life. That's really cool. So how long were you in college for? For, for plastic surgery, I yeah. guess, medical school. So four years of undergraduate, so for my major, then four years medical school, so eight years, then six years of plastic surgery training. So we moved to Southern wow. California for that. I was in Loma Linda for six years. Oh, really? Yeah, so we were there. And then I went to USC in LA for a year. I did a hand fellowship. So I did upper extremity and it was actually orthopedic. So it wasn't even plastic. Oh, really? 
Yeah. So I, w- I did an orthopedic training. I did plastics. Um, so I did seven years for that. So that's, I, I lose count. It's like 15 years or something <laughs> after college. That's awesome. So were you, were you always went to, how, how long were you, did you say you were in California? Uh, seven years. Seven years. Yeah. So you're in California, man, you all over the place. And then how long have you been back here? So we came back in 2018. So I, I joined a, a private practice when I first started here before I started my own in 2020. Okay. Um, so perfect I, time right yeah. during COVID. Oh, man. You couldn't do surgery. Yeah. We, <laughs> you know, I, I, we started our practice. It was, I started as Jerry Chittister MD, just my name, like so basic, you know, right. I'm like whatever, I just, you know, we got started this Right. and it was January, 2020. So we had no clue. Oh, perfect timing. Yeah. Perfect. Had no <laughs> money. And we're just like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to live this month by month. We had a few employees that were awesome that we had known from previous, uh, the previous place. Yeah, it, it worked out. We decided right when COVID hit and we had to shut down, we weren't allowed to operate. Right. I was taking call to the hospital. I was doing, you know, hand trauma infections and fractures and stuff. So I was doing that to kind of keep the doors open, but we just kept seeing patients virtually. We, you know, we had to adapt because I was like, if we don't do this, we're going to have to shut down. I cannot, I didn't know how long, we didn't know it would be six weeks, six months. Well, no one thought it'd be two years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's crazy. So I'm like, we can't. So we, you know, we were fortunate enough to get that PPP loan. And I asked my employees, I said, look, if we can pay you and stay open, will you please stay? Right. And that's where we tried to start building that culture of like, we wanted to look out for our employees as well, you know, cause there's some people that, you know, they would do the unemployment thing or furlough their employees. And a lot of people never came back. Right. And so we hung on to everybody cause we really valued them. And, you know, we tried to show that through keeping them and paying them and doing all that. And we did a lot of virtual consults. We did a virtual grand opening in April. Wow. And, that was amazing. We had never done anything like that. And we had such an awesome attendance because everyone's sitting at home like, what else am I going to do? Sure, I'll attend your virtual grand opening, you know? Right. And we had such a great response. And so back in May, when we were able to open doors again, we just hit the ground running and it's just been exponential ever since. That's awesome. So you came back in 2018 to Utah. You were with the clinic for what? For two years from 18 to 2020? Yeah, almost two years. Yeah, because it was like August of 2018. Okay. So about December of the first place. Yeah, I mean, that was a learning experience for me, the first place that I had, was practicing. You know, it's kind of, I was getting my board. So for board certification, a plastic surgeon, you spend your first nine months, every case you do, you collect that case, you get all the information and you send it to the board of plastic surgery. American oh, board wow. Plastic surgery. And then they review your cases. So you have to do enough cases that have to be complex enough. You can't just do, you know, 50 breast augmentations. It has to be right. all kinds of cases. And then they look through your cases. And I think I did like 150. Wow. So they reviewed all those in the nine months. They said, okay, your cases are good. And then they pick five cases and say, okay, out of the 150 you did, we want you to give us all the details for these five. And then I had to put all these books together. Then I flew to Arizona. They do this in-person exam, oral exam. And they just like, they call it pimping. They pimp you. <laughs> you're just like sweating bullets. And so I got board certified then. And then that's right after that is when we start our practice. That's awesome. So the plastics clinic, I mean, you guys just have created a brand with the plastics clinics that I think is unbelievable. And one thing I want to ask is you are kind of the TikTok doctor. I mean, you, you, you've basically, you know, built this brand on TikTok, on, on social media. Why did you do that? Or, or like, what was yeah. the motivation to do that? Because that's abnormal for most people. Yeah. Especially most doctors. Most doctors sure. are pretty like, reserved in the white coat and everything's yeah. chill and you know, driving their Mercedes and BMW <laughs> or whatever. And they're chilling yeah. and having a good time. Like I'm not going to waste my time. Yeah. But you are like, first off, like a super high energy person. And then you just took it. Hey, let's make it social. Yeah. So I was the least social person on social media when Instagram and Facebook was out. Honestly, my wife taught me. So when I was in fellowship at, at USC, my wife was doing some saint stuff, saint makeup. Um, and she was doing a lot of Instagram stories and posts. And at the time I had just opened 
my um, Dr. Chitty account. I call it, it was like Jerry Chittis or MD or something at the time. And I didn't even know how to do a story. She's like, hey, and she was teaching me. So my wife's taught me how to pretty much use social media. That's awesome. But then when we came to Utah, the practice I was at, they actually did a really good job, I think, of using social media. And so that's where I kind of saw that. I was like, hmm, it's a good opportunity to educate. So I really started trying to just show, like, you know, educate about plastic surgery because there's so many stigmas out there about it. You know, like we're talking about it here, but a lot of people have misconceptions, even like I did in medical school. So my whole goal was let's educate people about plastic surgery. That's where it started. And then I started showing my work on there and showcasing that and showing cases. I would walk people through cases. I'd say, okay, this is what we're doing. This is why. This is why people get tummy tucks. You know, their muscles are separated. They've had five kids, whatever. And people latched onto that because like, I had no idea that that's what's going on. You know, my core is so weak. Right. So I started doing all this education and then TikTok came along and I used to break dance when I was younger. Really? Not, not like Murphy. Not I like cannot Murph? do that. No, not at all. I wish, but I used to do windmills. I tried all that stuff, you know, really? loved. Yeah. And so I had a hard time on Instagram finding music that I could, like we used to do these dance battles at my first place. We do, I dance battle with like the nurses or like a patient. We do it. And it was really clunky on Instagram to like put in an audio and try to do that. Right. Then I found TikTok. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can type in a song name. I can have the song on and record myself dancing. Right. Like this app was made for me. <laughs> so that's why, that's where I started it. I started doing just like the weirdest dances and I didn't know there weren't trends and things at the time really, but that's where I just started doing TikTok that's early awesome. on. So it was like in 2019. I loved it, you know, and it just, and also it gives you this creative outlet. And so my wife was always like, Hey, you should use TikTok to like promote your business. You know, I'm like, well, for me, that's what Instagram has been. But for me, TikTok was like an outlet, like a creative outlet for me where right. I didn't have to worry about creating content to like get patience, you know? Right. Um, it was just you. Yeah. Just me. Like your personality. It was just me. And right. I'm all over it the place. It was raw. Yeah. It's just raw. Right. It's like me. I'm all, I mean, I'm dancing in one, doing some cool transition video in the other. And the next one I'm, you know, whatever. And so it's all over the place and that's hard. Like, I, I feel like I haven't focused. I think if I would have focused my niche more early on, I'd probably even have a bigger following, but that's not for me, the purpose why TikTok. Right. I do it to stay like sane, you know, for sure. cause it's my, it's stressful. Everyone has different levels of stress, just different stresses. I feel like TikTok's been a great way for me to kind of relieve my stress. So if you're coming out like a stressful case, you just say, yeah. Everybody, we're TikToking right now. We, yes. we need a good laugh. Yes. Oh, that's that's seriously how it is. Really? I don't TikTok during surgery. I want to, you know, it's always after surgery right. or I'll do it early in the day. Um, same in clinic. I'll do it like during lunch. I'm like, y'all get paid lunch breaks. Let's TikTok or at the end of the day because I don't want to try, you know, I don't want to interrupt patient care. But right. yeah, that's really where it comes from. <laughs> like, I'm stressed to do this. <laughs> that, that's awesome. So what has it done for your clinic? I mean, yeah, it's kind of taken off and you've created this brand of you and the team and yeah. I love it. What has it done for you? I, I think what it's done is it showcased not just my personality, but the personalities of my employees in our clinic. You know, it's out there. And so people see that. And that could be a huge turnoff for some people. Like, that guy's weird, you know, and that's fine. It really kind of filters them and they can go somewhere else if they, you know, find someone who fits their personality. And that's what I try to educate on is you want to find a surgeon or a practice that meshes with you. Right. At the end of the day, you want to go somewhere where you feel comfortable. And so I think what TikTok and Instagram and social media has done for us is just said, hey, this is us. This is take it or leave. And this, we're the same way in person or, you know, on TikTok. Like we're not trying to be somebody else. It's us. Right. And so people will come in and like, Hey, I feel like I know you already. I feel like I know your, you know, your office manager. I know JCN. I know Mindy. I know Katie, whatever, because they've seen them and they see their faces constantly. And I think it's been amazing for our brand in that sense, because people know us and they already feel comfortable. People are coming in and say, Hey, 
I'm ready. Like I already know you, you've already told me everything. I've seen your surgery. I know the quality of your work. Like this right. is what I want. No, and your work is unreal. I, I follow you, you all over the place. And I'll be like, Mikel, like she's my wife. I'm like, hey, look at this. And she's like, I know. I'm like, that's insane. Like, look at the before and after. She's like, I know. And I'm like, man, I don't even know how you do that, but that's amazing. But it's cool for me because I always see it like on a different level because I understand maybe what that person's going, not really understand, but like I probably know why they did it. And it's cool to see the amazing transformations and the confidence that she's probably like yeah. strutting in a bikini at the pool or he or she, I mean, you do yeah. male and female. Yeah. And that's cool because confidence, a lot of people don't have confidence. And, yeah. you know, I have things that annoy me and I know people that have things annoy them. And it's cool to just, hey, let's get rid of it and get you confident out there and get you being, you know, you instead of having this quote unquote, like dark cloud over you. Yeah. I think it's awesome, man. Like you're doing a lot more than just, you know, in and out and rinse and repeat because I've, I've heard that you have a great, you have great relationships with your, with your clients and which is good because it means that you do good work and you're <laughs> not afraid to say, you know, that's my client. This yeah. is what I did. Cause a lot of people hide behind that. Yeah. Like it's almost like a, not a corporate veil, but like a clinic veil of like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, just go out of there. You know, yeah. like when my mom had a knee surgery and the yeah. knee surgeon stopped by at my mom's house and was like, Hey, are you okay? Yeah. You know, I happened That's to me. Awesome. He, he lives three doors down, but just like, <laughs> Hey, he wasn't afraid of that. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Um, one thing I want to ask too is how is it working with your wife? Cause I get asked that a lot because <laughs> me and Mikkel do a lot of things together, yeah. but she runs your clinic or your yeah. practice. That's huge. How is it yeah. working with her? It's amazing. She's awesome. It's always been her dream. She's a cosmetologist by her trade. So when I went on my mission, she went two years to, to Salt Lake Community College, did her cosmetology license, basic aesthetics. We always talked about she wanted to have her own spa, you know, since we were married. You know, really? 18 years ago. And so recently we opened our medical spa. You know, it was like a dream come true for her. And so, but her just being involved and in the level of what she does in the practice, I couldn't see anybody else doing what she does right now. And, you know, we've continued to grow and we're, we're trying to put things in place so that we can offload her and bring other people in. So we are constantly working on things like that because we, you know, at the same time, we also understand our limitations. There's only certain things I can do as a plastic surgeon. I'm not a full, you know, I'm in my MBA. I don't have a degree in doing that. Right. You know, same with her. So we get our limitations. And so, but working with her is, it's a, it's a treat. The one thing that, that sucks is that, you know, you go home and sometimes you take that work home with you. Right. And so it's constantly for us, that's the challenge I would say is trying to not bring work home. So when our kids are around, we're just talking about work, you know, right. when we're with our kids, we want to be with our kids. And we have three, you know, we have a 13 year old son, our 11 year old daughter and our five year old, five and a half year old. He, he told everybody <laughs> we have three kids. And so when we're home, we want to just make sure that as best as we can, we're not perfect at that, but that's our goal. And so I, I couldn't imagine working with anybody else or having else as my boss, to be honest. <laughs> that, that's so awesome. I, I, I mean, I love the fact that you got emotional because it just shows the level of like, you know, it seems like love you have for her. And I see you guys on social media all the time and you're always doing fun things together. You just got back from like a badass cruise. <laughs> it was amazing. In, uh, <laughs> in like, a, like a river cruise in Europe or wherever the yeah, Viking cruises. Those Rhine. are so cool. It was really cool. And you two together just cracked me up. And <laughs> like it's, it, it's so cool. Would you have any tips, you know, for the listeners that, maybe do work with a significant other or their wife or whatever. And I'm asking kind of for me yeah. because me and Mikkel are on that level. Yeah. She runs our foundation, which you know, a lot of people amazing. don't know we have a foundation, but yeah. we have a foundation called the Haugen Family Foundation. Oh, and amazing. she runs a lot of our social medias and my social medias and the, like with this podcast. Mm-hmm. And we're always talking about it. And yeah. finally, like I'll grab both of our phones and just throw them. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm done with this. Yeah. Like we have to get rid Let's of it. Go. So what is some, some, some chitty talk that you can say yeah. like, Hey, this is what it is. And you bring up a good point is like throwing the phones away. Like you really have to separate your time because it's so easy not to. But for us, um, one thing I think really helped us in our marriage, even when we were in California, it was 
dedicating time each week to just the two of us and not talking work. So whether it's going on a date night, even go grab some sushi, go grab Taco Bell, whatever it is, spending that time just the two of us. Because, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, let's just take the kids and love our kids. But we also need right. our time to develop, you know, our relationship and and um, maintain it and help it grow. So I would say that's the, the most important thing that I found. And then doing things like that, like taking an actual trip with them. So not just like one night, but, you know, maybe a week, a right. year or whatever it is, you know, or a weekend, a quarter. We, you know, someone told us one time it was like one night a week, you know, one weekend, a quarter, and then one week a year right. with your with your significant other. And then in that time, just not doing work. Work is nope. And we have to remind each other because I'll start talking like, hey, right. it's like, no, Jerry, right. turn it off. You know, so you just have to have that. I think that's helped us a lot. Right. That's awesome. I heard, you know, similar thing of, I had this guy tell me, where was I? I, I was at something and he was like, Jason, take one marriage saving vacation a year. Love it. And I'm like, well, my, my marriage doesn't need marriage saving. He's like, I don't care. But that's a marriage saving trip. And everything is revolved around you and everything revolved around your wife and you don't bring anything He's like, no kids. And I'm like, you yeah. just, it's, it's a marriage saving vacation every single year. And, but it's hard because when you do have social media, you're like always, Hey, we got to post this. We got to post that. But yeah. you know, with us, we want to have like a staff or some people to help keep yeah. that going while we're gone yeah. because it, then it just gets, oh, you're doing stuff just for the gram, which sometimes it's great content and you do that. Like, but it also takes like knowing, Hey, we're going to snap this picture, yeah. put the phone away, snap this yep. picture, put the phone away. So I, I love that, man. So talking about your, your clinic, You've created a culture, and this is kind of how we got onto this, is you yeah. created a culture in a team that is, in my opinion, unlike any other. I've been around quite a few actually plastic surgeon clinics because I've had a couple of wives get some work done. And just, you know, and I'm always there at the interview and we're talking the consultation stuff. We're talking, I'm seeing how everything's handled. And, you know, a couple of the doctors, one of the doctors was in and out, just boom, boom, as fast as yeah. we can roll, just pushing them out as, as literally yeah. like 10 minute surgeries as fast as we can roll. Yeah. And, you know, the other guy was a lot more, in tune to, to her and, and, and cool things, but no one, at least from the outside, looking in and outsider is doing what you do. How have you been able to create a culture and a brand? Cause I believe they're both hand in hand. Yeah. And we talk on the show a lot about culture as a feeling. You have all of that wrapped into everything you do. How have you been able to do that? I think it goes back to when we first started, we were closed down, like I said, for about six weeks. One of my really good friends, I think I mentioned him to you, his name's Tyler Mitchell. I've known yeah. him since high school. He's in the military. He was actually in Italy at the time during COVID. Wow. And so he's not a I, good place to be. No. Yeah. They were like totally shut in, you know, I mean, he was working very similar stuff that we talked about all these, the foundation, the cultural things. He's the one that educated me on this. I had no idea I even needed it in my life. Really? And he sat down and he said, Hey, I need to help. Let's help you build this out for your company. Cause it was something he was starting up at himself at the time, his own consulting agency. And uh, we started working together and we just were zoom calling, you know, from Italy to Utah. And I'm like sitting at home. And I think he helped me recognize because I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't right. know that these things were so important to me and were going to be important to my practice, my brand and everything. And the first thing was he said, well, you know, what are the tenants or what are the foundations of your practice that you want to have written down? Because this is what you're going to hire your patient, your people off of. You're going to fire your people off of. So you're going to grow your business and expand. And I said, I don't know. He said, well, what is it that you didn't like at the last place? And I'm like, okay. So we listed everything I didn't like. Right. And then we took the inverse and said, okay, well, from that, this is what we can look at to build. And so we tried to take it from the positive. And I think establishing that with him early on is what really opened my mindset to, to recognize how important these things were. And I started doing everything in that context. So whether it was social media, you know, posting or establishing the practice or hiring, you know, 
our HR person that we have on, she's wonderful, Shannon Phillips. She knows our tenants just like off the back of her hand, you know? And so every time she helps us interview, she goes to all these cultural things. Um, Tyler Mitchell, my friend, he'll still interview people. I'll have him like talk to them directly. And really? He, yeah, he works with the military. So his whole job is to like read people. And I'll right. be like, hey, <laughs> you don't want to hire this person. Or, <laughs> or like, hey, they're amazing, you know? So I think establishing that early on really is what helped me and our practice establish that culture and brand. And we've just carried that through. We continue to add to that. You know, we obviously we're learning still. So we know, when we're, hey, we had this new tenant to add or this new foundation. Right. That's really what I think has helped us grow. That's so cool because it's very important to create those foundational pieces at the beginning. And you can almost think of it like a blessing in disguise that you shut down for six weeks because you had so much time to work on it. Because yeah. if you maybe would have been open and I'm, this is just pure, you know, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm out totally. there right now. Yeah. I always talk about this between me and my wife because we met in 2019 and then then the world shut down and all we did was hang out with each other. (laughs) It was cool because I believe I got really close to their family and I wouldn't never been able to do that. And you know, all the travel, no one was traveling and it was just a really cool time for me. And if you didn't have that, do you think you would have been able to have like the quick start to the foundation, a quick start to the values that you had? Not at all. I think you hit it right on. I don't think I would have, or maybe we would have, it had been a different scenario and maybe taken longer but you're right. I mean, I even like mapped out, he helped, Tyler helped me map out like my two year, three year, five year, 10 year life plan, professional plan. You know, we, I would live everything. Really? Yeah. Even like down to when we we're moving into our new house and kids graduating, you know, we just had this all mapped out. And I think having everything in front of you like that, like on a spreadsheet, you're looking at it, it puts things into perspective. You realize like, I only have six more years with my son right. before he goes oh. to college or, right? Wow, yeah. Or goes, uh, if he goes on a mission or college or work, whatever it is, you know, my daughter, you know, eight years, whatever. And you're looking at that and you, re- you start to realize, and I'm 40 this sh- last year, I'm going to be 41 this year in a couple months. And I, I was talking to my wife last night. I said, you know, when I hit 40, I, these, all these things kind of came together to me. And I just started realizing like time is like the most valuable thing aside from, you know, right. more so than anything financial, anything in my practice time, like we can never get that back. It is the most precious thing. And especially time with our kids, like that is the limited, you know, right. most limited thing. And that's what, you know, so I think putting those things in perspective and and then prioritizing that is what's been helping. That's huge. There's a TikTok out there that's, you know, it's like you only have four years with your son or something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, man, you hit me every time because that's so true is we yeah. take time for granted and oh, this with our kids and that with our kids. Mm-hmm. We only have a couple of years before they're pretty independent and they don't yeah. really need you. And yeah. so with me every time, like everybody knows around me, I'm always trying to you know hold my daughter, even though she's too big. I'm like, but there'll be a time yeah. where I never get to put it's her true. down. And I'm what like, what if it's the last time? Yeah. I mean, and I, Mikel drives me nuts because she's like, she can walk. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'll carry her. I'll yeah. carry her. And yeah. you know, those times mean the most me and you're right time is so important so i think it's interesting because you have created a most you know doc you don't really see culture in medical mm-hmm. at no, least right. and, and maybe i might be wrong out there and i'm you know someone might be blowing me up on instagram right now but <laughs> i just don't see it very often because you do have like you, you know when i go to the doctor it's a very like no one's excited to be there and then you sit in the waiting room forever and then you go sit in the other waiting room forever and then everybody's oh hey this and then the doctor comes sees you for 10 seconds and then it's you're gone that just doesn't seem like there's culture why do you think it was the experiences from before or was it really tyler saying oh like you you have the opportunity to kind of change the medical like stigma 
I think it was a combination of all of that because I, I think for me, just going back to my background, like there was something I think I wanted, but I was really afraid at the time coming out of residency and fellowship. Like we're not trained how to run a business. That's not part really? of our repertoire. No, like there's nothing. That's interesting because most of the time you go out having your own practice. Yeah. If you're, especially in plastic surgery, you know, a lot of go private practice, but that's why a lot of people start with another person who they think has more experience or more knowledge than you. And then they start to realize right. like, well, maybe that's not what I want culturally. You start to learn these things. So there were certain things that I, I think I always wanted, but I didn't know. I think Tyler brought some of that to light. And then I think after doing it and then seeing how people were responding to my personality and things on like Instagram, I sort of realized like, well, I need to be myself. I think people are afraid to be themselves because they fear that people won't look at them as being professional. And I've gotten stuff from other surgeons around the country. And yeah, especially with social media, you know, it's like, like, oh, that's unprofessional or that's you know, not unethical, but the, they just look at it and say, well, you're just doing that to, you know, get followers or whatever. And if you look back at the history of plastic surgery, even like billboards were shunned upon, you know, you couldn't put your face on a billboard because that's unethical or really? you can't put your name in the yellow pages. Yeah. Because now you're, you know, you're trying to outcompete your other shows. I mean, in my mind, I think something I, I thought recently was, you know, you hear this comparison of like a pie, right? Everyone's so worried that they're not going to get their slice of the pie. In my mind recently, it's it's more not that there's one pie. I think there's unlimited pie and there's enough pie for every single surgeon, every single physician. People are not pies. We're not pies, right? right. And some people don't want pie. Some people want a cake. Some people want cupcakes. Some people want, you know, uh, a tart or something. Right. So in my mind, there's enough pie for every person that's going to match your personality. So we need to worry. And so this, this whole idea of like, Oh, if you, if you operate on somebody, then I can't operate on that person. It's like, that's true. But guess what? There's a hundred thousand other people that are ready for you to operate on them. Right. And so I think really kind of opening your mind and looking at people is we're not competition. We should be building each other up, you know? And I think this culture across even just the specialties and whether it's plastic surgery, dermatology, whatever, there's just this innate, like, oh, we, we need to be competitive against each other. But it, it's going to be an against us thing. Because in the end, we all want to do the same thing. We want to help patients, give them more confidence, you know, help right. them out. So that's one thing that I've personally been trying to do more and more and networking with surgeons on social media. And and I think I'm starting to see, it's like Footloose, you know, when like they go and he's like dancing in town, the preacher's and everyone's like all upset. But then slowly, like everybody is like starting to be themselves right. and they start to dance, you know, whether they know how to dance or not everyone's joining in and I'm starting to see that. And I'm not saying I did that, but I'm starting to see that across the specialty, you know, really, um, I did a takeover for ASPS, which is the American society of plastic surgeons. So it's the biggest organization of plastic surgeons in the world. Really? I did an Instagram. Yeah. They asked me to take over a couple of weeks ago on a Friday and it had a really good response. You know, we try to be educational. I try to educate um, patients. We try to give tips to plastic surgeons, how to do social media. And I had a really good, I got some really good feedback from them. That's awesome. And so I feel like, culturally it needs to extend you know not just in my practice but across my specialty and across medicine in general right. like you're talking about right do you think it's important to just kind of because what you said is very powerful about basically just be you and do you and there's enough of you and your brand and how you operate for everybody yeah and if there's an there and you might not relate to somebody yeah that's okay yep it doesn't really matter yeah but at the end of the day you're going to do you and I think that's really important for a lot of people out there because they get so caught up. My, I always call it the committee called they. Mm. They think. They want. They, 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 they. Well, they don't pay my bills. Mm-hmm. They don't know the real me. They're not in these conversations. They, they might see something and say something. They might say something, right? Yeah. But they don't know what's going on. And I think it's ridiculous that people, and, and sometimes I got caught up in it too because when I started this podcast and um, on some things and I say something or my little Instagram or whatever, people will just rip me a new one. You don't know this and you don't know that. And I'm like, yeah. cool. 
and I get like into it. And then my <laughs> wife is always like, look, you can't be worried about what they think. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting in, in medical that it's people, because I really never thought about people competing with each other. Because it's just, oh, hey, I know this person or I know that person. Or, hey, this person's close to me. But it's kind of crazy that they're almost oppressive and they don't want to, you know, Sean Wayne always says like, be the light that everybody sees or shine so bright. Nobody can you know help yes. but to see it. And that, you know, maybe getting a little bit deep, but I think felt like you're doing that in the medical world. And yeah. people might've been exactly like the example that you said with Footloose is what the heck is going on in Utah? There's a dude on TikTok is out of control. <laughs> what's going on? Yeah. And now it's kind of like, Hey, yeah. it's probably not a bad thing Yeah. because you're educating on plastic surgery. And maybe there is somebody in Arizona or Maryland that follows you yep. that says, oh, that's interesting. I wonder if there's someone in my local place. Yep. But, you know, that's helping them, right? But maybe yeah. they didn't see it right there in the first place. That's awesome. I get a lot of messages from people around the country saying, hey, thank you for the things you post and educated on. I end up finding a person close to me because I couldn't come to you or it's too far. Super happy that person had my surgery. I'm happy. I love hearing that. Because, yeah, I, you know, I think when I first started, I was like, oh, I need to operate on everybody. Not right. because of competition, but more so like, I'm a people pleaser in a lot of ways. And I'm like, oh, I wish I could just do everyone's surgery, you know? Right. And I'm like, I'll, I'm willing to work 20 hour days to do that, you know? But then my family suffers, I suffer, my you know, wife. So I've kind of learned, okay, I need to back off. You know, there's a lot of, there's amazing surgeons across this country. And so I've tried to help network and do that. I get probably one or two messages a week from plastic surgeons, other professionals around the country, just asking for advice on social, whether it's social media or how to do something surgically, whatever it is. And I love to help people. Like I, I have no secrets. I'm happy to help out right. and things, some things I do may not work for them, you know? And so it's, a, it is definitely trial and error. You know, right. I, I don't have a, a secret sauce. It's just what works for me. You know, that's awesome. And it, and it goes down to your brand, how you operate and how you deal with other plastic surgeons. It goes down to your brand and, and, and bring it back to culture. That's the culture you're creating is, you kind of worry about you and you help other people because you're there to just help people, which yeah. at the end of the day, I believe helps you even more. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't understand that. They think that it's just so competitive, mm-hmm. you know, especially in my, my industry with RVs. Mm-hmm. Oh man, like you go to all these things and oh, this person did this and that person did this. And me, I'm very similar to you because maybe, you know, I'm younger and I didn't grow up doing this for my entire life, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of competition in Utah that I'm just like, I really don't care. And yeah. I hope everybody succeeds exactly. and I want everybody to succeed. Yeah. And, can I help you? And you can help me and let's do a win-win situation. I don't like for me to win and you to lose or you to win and me to lose. It doesn't exactly. make sense. Let's do a win-win. I, th- I think that's really awesome. That. And you've been able to create that win-win culture with your employees. You have 30, around 30 team members and they've bought into your culture. They bought into the Dr. Chitty brand. I mean, they've done some amazing, amazing TikToks and things. And, yeah. and you're saying like people come and say, oh, I know you. Hey, I seen you on this. I mean, that is really cool to get them involved because it's important for me to know that like, hey, you have a great team behind you, but it's really cool to see you like highlight, elevate them and lift them up. Yeah. Can you talk about how you are with your employees and, and how you've created a culture where I'm sure, and I just, I'm putting this out there that you probably have a laundry list of people trying to work for you. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I'm just saying that because I've, you know, and I don't know. So I'm just making stuff up right now, but I'm sure that you have a lot of people, hey, I want a job or I want to do this. How have you been able to build that culture with your team or Maybe some tips and tricks, how you built it. I mean, it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think it, you know, it comes, and this is something I learned from Tyler Mitchell. You know, there's there's certain different types of power that you can have as a leader, right? So sometimes you're you have positional power just because of your position, that's the power you have. But to be a true leader in my mind, like for one, if you need to tell somebody you're their leader, 
you're not their leader. Right. Like a leader leads by example and whatever if the culture that we've set, you know, and I lead our team. I don't have to tell you like, hey, I'm your boss. You know, like that's the last statement over here coming out of my mouth. Cause I think that's just that's unnecessary. That's awesome. And so for me, and, and we talked about this, you know, how you are with your employees. And I think we, that's why we connected so much. I think you and I are so much alike like that. But right. yeah, sure. And I, I was comparing this other day. We were talking to my staff. I got back from that cruise. And I was like, you know, like, yeah, there's a captain of the ship that we were on. But everybody on that ship had different roles, but they're all necessary for us to get from point A to point B. Like everybody had a role, even the chef, you know, the maitre d', right? You know, the that's the, dude to the front desk. Everybody yeah. had a role, and yeah, we could physically get from point A to point B. Is it going to be nice if all those people aren't there doing their part? No, like we'll get there. But you know, I think as a captain, you know, obviously they are ultimately responsible. But in reality, you're taking input from your whole team and you're synthesizing that information and doing how are we going to navigate this, right? right. So we do try to do that for all of our patients. And I think that's that's the mentality I've tried to take is, you know, no one's better. Everyone just has different roles. We're right. all, you know, yeah, I don't care if I own the place. Like, you know, everybody has to participate and do their job or nothing's going to get done. You just have a big you know? building. Yeah, nothing. a big building and <laughs> right. unhappy people. So I think that... And that's very uh, contagious, you know, people, patients come in and I mean, yeah, we're not perfect, but our goal, and and I've said this on an Instagram post I did this morning, like my goal is not perfection for surgery or practice. It's, it's excellence. I I prefer excellence over perfection. So we strive to be excellent, not to be perfect because I I will never be perfect. Right. I I heard that that quote somewhere. I don't know. I don't know who said it. So if you, if you guys know, then please put the quote, but (laughs) You know, but I want to be excellent at everything, whether it's, you know, our patient follow-up, our results, you know, their patient experience, whether it's in the spa or in the clinic side, you know, for the minute they walk in, the minute they leave. Like, that's what I want them to remember is, man, that like what I saw on Instagram and I came in, I had experience, like that's what I left with. And for I sure. feel like I'm part of that family and like I know them, you know, and and I obviously we do our best, like we're right. not perfect. And, and we take feedback. One of our foundations is, you know, give genuine and honest feedback. You know, if you didn't have a great experience or you had a great experience, please let us know because we want to always get better. You know, I don't want to ever assume that we're giving the best to everybody because we're not going to grow. We're not going to learn. Right. You know, so I think feedback is just as important. For sure. Um, and it takes a real like person in leader to take feedback, to take criticism. I mean, I've, I've done surveys and I've done things and I've, I've had some harsh feedback with this podcast <laughs> and it's been tough, but it's been really good. And you know, yeah, I take it and say, okay. Yep. And, and you kind of get maybe a little, you don't know. And then yeah. you're like, oh, well, yeah, he's right. Or she's right. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Most of it comes from my wife. So that's a different story, <laughs> but it, you know, I'm, you know, I'm still working on that reading books and stuff, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, but it, it, it's been hard because you think you have it one way and you think you want to do, you know, you think things are, are doing really well and sometimes they don't. Yeah. But as a business owner, you want to hear that. If there was a breakdown with staff communication, I'm sure that in your line of work, communication is, is oh, a big so deal. Yeah. And most people, maybe in medical, a lot of places don't really communicate because sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. They just don't have those conversations. Mm-hmm. One thing I want to ask too is, is, you mind taking me through the the customer experience of how, yeah. you know, I call what goes on, do it because I've heard it's amazing. And I've seen, I do follow you and I always see your customers posting pictures and you repost them and mm-hmm. how their experience was, especially post-op, mm-hmm. all that. Can you walk me through yeah. that real quick? Cause yeah. I think that's really important. It goes to your culture of how you operate. Yeah. And I'll be honest, this all stems from experience I had at a car dealership locally Really, um, where I came back one day, I said, man, that was like the best experience I've had, like customer service. And I remember coming back saying like, that's the level 
I want to have for our patients, you know, where it's like this concierge level, you know, and so we're striving for that again. We're striving for that. We're not there yet totally, but you know, because the, the wait and stuff's long, it's a little different now. I actually, I'm not taking new patients currently, but for my partner, Dr. Garlic, who is, you know, patients will call in and they usually are put in touch with one of our coordinators. We have patient coordinators. We have five coordinators right now between the two wow. doctors. And so their whole goal is to let's get people teed up for your appointment, meaning whether it's, you know, physical health, nutrition, mental, our goal is to kind of get all the questions done ahead of time. So by the time you come in, you're at least more prepared or you know what the trajectory is going to be. And then when you meet with me or Dr. Garlic, then we come up with a plan for surgery. But, you know, in my mind, all of this experience is not just the physical component of the surgery, but again, it's the emotional, the mental well-being spiritual, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, that's all the package deal. It's not something that we're I'm working on right now. But when people come in, you know, they'll meet our front desk, they're taken to the consult room. They meet again with our coordinators who've already spoken with them. And then I meet with them or Dr. Garlic. And it's 30 minutes to even an hour. And, you know, I've tried to make videos and, and YouTube things so that a lot of the information that we go over is they can review after they leave because a lot of information it's like a fire hose you know it's like okay you need your breast this or you want your breast done this is what we do your tummy you'd like that address and so it's just a a huge list and people leave like over almost overwhelmed right Right. and so try to have information for them to to look back on and then after that it's um if they decide to proceed with surgery then they work with our coordinators and then sometimes it's like a year wait you know or longer right and so they have this time and so there are some things I kind of hinted at it that I'm currently working on. So a lot of my time outside of plastics is spent working on, I have meetings. I have a lot of meetings. Right. A lot of it has to do with stuff we're developing in the background. And, and it's all focused on helping patients. Again, all this kind of this um, wholeness uh, or holistic approach to patient care. I'm working on some stuff in the background. Wow. So I'm hoping to be able to apply that to all these patients. So when they're in that year waiting period, they're doing things to get ready in all ways of their lives, not just, I mean, even socially, like having people that are going to help you after surgery, you know, these are little things you don't think about, but like, if you have a job and you have no one to care for your kids, like, what are you going to do? You know? Right. And so trying to make sure all boxes are checked for patients. And so when they, it comes time with surgery, obviously they have their surgery and then post-op, we're seeing them post-op day one, seven, you know, three weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, it was just constant feedback and uh, making sure they're healing appropriately. Right. So, uh, which it, is important when line of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a permanent change to your body, and so we're trying to make sure you heal appropriately. That's awesome. I really like what you just said because you're you're doing stuff more to help them outside of the surgery. Because I guess at the end of the day, the surgery is one day, or yep. four hours, or yep. two hours, or one hour of their of everything and the experience and the culture around that. Because th- that is a walking. You can I mean you can say it a billboard, or I mean that is your piece, your masterpiece yeah. out there, your artwork, whatever you want to call it. You know, taking care of them after the fact or before the fact, I think is huge. Do most surgeons do that as no. far as deep as you do? No. I mean, I think a lot of surgeons want to do that because I've spoken with other surgeons and and I, I start to realize a lot of surgeons around the country who culturally are very similar to me. You know, we like mesh very well and have the same desires. But, you know, it, what, you know some surgeons are doing a lot of insurance-based stuff. They're working in a hospital and clinic and they're just getting hammered. They don't have their own time to do these things. Like right. even with me, my practice is busy. But I spend a lot of this time outside of this working on these things in the background. And so I think there are surgeons that are definitely wanting to do it. They just aren't because they don't have either the resources or the time to do it. Um, and so that's one thing that's definitely a challenge for me. But I, I know there's a lot of really good surgeons out there who want the same things that, that we're wanting. And so that's why we're working on it. 
to be able to help all surgeons as well, not just the patients, but to help the surgeons facilitate all these things so that they can offer this to their patients. Right. You know, cause I, you know, you talk about surgery, like I said, it's like a three hour, four hour, whatever. Like, yeah, physically you have that change, but mentally, if you, if you're still not, not necessarily unwell, but if you're not prepared mentally or emotionally and you have the surgery, it's a huge stress on your body. Right. You know, especially like these like mommy makeovers, mommy, I call them mommy takeovers, taking back your body. Um, kind of more oh, of a positive cool. approach, you know, Yeah, more like empowering, I should say. But you do like a mommy takeover and now you're sedentary for, or, you know, you're not able to go do activity. You may have, you know, spent the last six months exercising, getting to your goal weight. If you're surgery, now you're like, your body's stressed out, you know, you're trying to heal. So your nutrition, you require more protein, more nutrients. And then you just, you can't act, you can't lift heavy weights. It could be things, really right? too active. Yeah. Yeah. So now you're like mentally like, man, I'm in a bad place now. I just had the surgery I've been waiting for for a year and now I'm in a bad place. And so really my whole goal is like, let's help you through all of that, you know, and acknowledge it, like not just ignore it, but say, Hey, how can we help you get you through that? And then, then you can start to heal physically, emotionally as well. That's awesome, man. Going back to your, your team members, your employees, you've been able to retain a lot of employees and have not a lot of turnover in, in an industry that I, I mean, especially with medical spas in that industry, I feel like it's a lot of turnover, maybe because it's a, it's a younger workforce, I should say, maybe, you know, out, out of school or whatever. How have you been able to retain those employees and, and have a, such a high level of operation? One way of thinking about it, which is one of the tenants that I said I did not want, was that one time once someone told me that everyone was expendable in their practice. And when I heard that, I thought there's no value. If you start with that seed of thought in your mind that everyone that you look at can be fired at any moment or is expendable and can be replaced, like you've already done a disservice, I think, to your business. Because my mind, it's the opposite. It's that I want to keep everybody. I compare it to medical school and law school. When I was in medical school, medical school, it's really hard to get into. But once you're in, they want to keep you. Like they we're invested in you. We're going to do everything we can to keep you. Right. Law school, it's, it's still hard to get into. But a lot of people get in, a lot of people drop out. Like there's not as invested. It's like, well, go do whatever you want to do, you know? For sure. And so I look at those two ways and, I, and I've seen people run a practice like that. And so for my mind, it's like, everyone is so valuable to me and they are indispensable. Like I, we need them, you know, and we invest in our employees. We, you know, we have to send them to meetings, to trainings, to show them, like, we want you to grow. And you know what, maybe you'll grow more than this position has for you. And whether you can grow in that, in our company or grow somewhere else, we're still happy for you. I mean, we've had some people, you know, like in medical, especially like people maybe start like as a medical assistant or something, but they want to be a nurse, a nurse practitioner and, you know, and they, they move on and that's great. Like we're happy for them. Like I'm not here to say, Hey, you have to be here. But I think really showing employees that you're invested in them, that you value them. And that again, you're not better than them. And that they aren't dispensable, that they are indispensable. And because I feel like you, we put all that effort, we interview them, you know, we make sure they fit our culture. If they fit, we want to keep you, right? you know? And I think performance is also important. Make sure they're performing because if they're not performing, then you have to obviously do reviews and, and make sure that's meeting it. But I think right. that's what we've tried to do. So when you go into your clinic every single day, what are you doing to the, to the team members, employees, staff? Yeah. So, I mean, first off, this is so basic, but I've just, I learned this even just going back into undergrad and interviewing for medical schools, like addressing everybody by name and just saying hi and acknowledging they exist. Right. That seems like so basic, but I remember like going to interviews and like, you know, there'd be someone in the hallway. I don't know what their role was. I don't know if they are the Dean of the school or, you know, they clean the building. I don't know. I don't care. Right. Right. In my mind, we're all humans and no one's better than each other acknowledging them. So in my mind, when I walk into clinic, it's like, Hey, Hey, Felicia. Hey, Katie, you know, Hey, whoever, and acknowledge that. How are you doing? You know, it's just right. that connection. It can take 10 seconds, but it's like, Oh, 
they see that I exist and then my, and that's important to me, you know? So that's right. the first thing. And then, you know, we try to do like a, every, my clinics are on Wednesday. So we have like a little like meeting together and we go over the day and really just any concerns they have or, Hey, what things can we learn? We always have, have a teaching moment in the mornings. And I think that's a good way to start because For again, sure. communication is important because maybe there's some issues going on, the communication that are breaking down. We need to fix that. Right. And I won't know that unless we all meet and we have team leader meetings. We have admin meetings. We have a lot of meetings to make sure things are running or improving. Is it, is it possible for you every single day to talk to everybody or is it, make, is it making a goal? Because what I hear and what I'm getting to is a lot of people, oh, it's impossible. I can't do that. It takes too So long. easy. Like I said, it takes 10 seconds. Like I will walk around the whole clinic in the morning and I will just say hi to everybody. Just I, I did like a TikTok rant. about it one day, actually. I used the office. I'll have to go find it. But I used the office music, the intro to the office. Mm-hmm. And I went and, you know, gave a high five to everybody. And that's what it is. I try to just go say hi to everybody. I just walk in front desk, you know, come in, go to the nurse clinic station, go over to the patient coordinators, go talk to the estheticians. And I do that every day. That, that's awesome, man. Do you have any plans of growing your medical spas or growing yeah. the more clinics or surgeries or anything So we're like building a, a building in Draper. Oh, really? So it's hopefully breaking ground in August, September. Fingers crossed, supposed to be in June. <laughs> it's a great time uh, to be in construction right now. Yeah, yeah. Everything's perfect. Yes. Timeline's great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we both know that from our houses. Yeah, yes, yeah. We just got in our house over two, yeah. and a half, over two years. Yeah, so a lot of it has been delay on that stuff, getting the right. final bids. But those are meetings that I have too. We're building a building. It's not just me. I have some partners. This is a medical fine. building? Big yeah. medical building? Yeah, it's okay. going to be medical, a finance. One of the floors is going to be a financial group. The top floor is a, a reception center. So it's going to be in Draper off of the 146 South exit. Nice. Sweet location. So it's up Heck on yeah. the hill, kind of overlooking that area where the prison is. So right now it looks yeah. great. It's looking at the prison. Right, for sure. But, the but whole, when that's gone, it'll yeah, be Yeah, it's going to be an awesome location. Yeah, so we're working on that right now. We're expanding. So we'll have, you know, a full clinic, full whole surgery center there. We're planning on like five ORs. Wow. Um, so I had to recruit surgeons. <laughs> uh, it's a lot of work, uh, background work, uh, full clinic. So we're planning on having all that in one location. Right now we're kind of split because right. we operate a, a great, great OR center, but we're kind of back and forth, me and Dr. Garlic. And, right. So is this, are you going to close those or go away from those and just have one? Yeah. Is there any plans of opening more med spas? Definitely in the in the works. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And one thing I want to ask too is how do you think, a lot of people have questions about having multiple locations or how to have that culture. With you having such a strong foundation, what, I guess, tips... Or, or things are you going to do to have that culture? Because maybe you can't go talk to every single yeah. person every single day because you should be a full-time driver and yeah. your time is best spent in the OR. What are some things you're going to do or tips that you can give people to, to do that? So I think first off, just having your foundations literally written down in an outline form. So every single employee knows what your foundations are. doesn't matter if you're at one location or the other, at least the foundations are the same, right? So right. if I go... I go to any Hyatt or any Waldorf or any hotel in the, in the world, you know, like their foundation is the same. You're going to get the same level of service. And so right. it doesn't matter who those players are at the different locations, but having that. So the people you hire, you, you trust, and they're trained to know what those foundations are. Again, I'm going off. I don't have multiple locations, right. but that was, that's my plan is that, you know, those people live and breathe that that document, that foundation, because that's who they are, you know, it, For sure. so you hire people who culturally and personality wise fit that. So they don't have to pretend to be something they're not. That's who they are. And maybe it's hard, it's hard to find those people sometimes, right. but you really, they're out there. And again, like you mentioned earlier, like everyone's culture is different, you know? And so you'll be able to find people that match that. You know, I, I would have to say, I'm not the only person that's like me in this world culturally. And there's, I mean, you and I are very similar in a lot right. of ways, you know, I'm sure we could work together and you know, I think blend well in a lot of ways. For sure. Know? So yeah, that's that's kind of my personal goal and maybe a tip of advice. That's awesome. And I really like to, really like to hit that because it's just, a, it's a breath of fresh air in the medical world because I feel like culture is so over 
use and everybody, oh, I have the great culture. I have this, I have that. But then you think about it and you think about where culture basically comes from the top down and it starts from you. I mean, if you walk into the clinic and you just, I always call it my nonverbal. If you just look like an, you're in a pissed off mood and everything's yeah. great and you blow past everybody, everybody's going to be looking, man, what, what's going on? Are we okay? And, you know, minds start the race. And when there's a little bit of doubt in anybody's mind about anything, then it just is a disaster. And then yeah. they might not be on their game in the OR, which oh, you yeah. want your your people on their game. I mean, that yep. is that is a Super Bowl every time you go into the totally. OR, I feel like, because yes. you'll never be like, oh, this is just a, <laughs> a season game. We don't care if we yeah. win this one. It is. No, I, and I tell, you know, I had, I did perform surgery on my wife a year or so ago after three years, she was like, Hey, could you please do the surgery? I'm like, no, I tried to refer. She's like, no. So you, you got to do this. So I did her surgery and what I told her, it's probably was, the biggest compliment ever. Just let you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's like, I see your work. I, I wouldn't go anywhere else. I'm like, right. okay, well maybe you're a little biased. You see my stuff all day, but right. no. So, but I, one thing we talked about was I always, every surgery I perform, kind of like the Super Bowl, I look at that patient, my, you know, male, female, or whatever, um, that that's like my wife. Like if I were operating on my wife in that moment, how would I treat her? Well, I would like utmost respect, you know, do my best, take the time that it takes. You know, I'm not rushing through anything. Like I wouldn't rush surgery on my wife and I right. didn't. But I, I told her, I'm like, I felt like I was ready to do her surgery because leading up to that point in my career, you know, for the two and a half years prior to that, like I did that every time. Right. Like, I looked at that patient and said, this is how I want you to treat. Or if you're my mom, I treat you like my mom, you know? Right. So I still do that today. I operate on my wife, but every operate, I was like, every day that's like my sister or my, my wife, you know? Cause I, that's how I would treat them. Right. And that's powerful because I would ask, you know, these listeners and challenges, how do you look at your clients or how do you look at every customer that you deal with? Or how do you look at, you know, everything that you do in every single day. And, you know, a good buddy of mine, a good, uh, he's kind of turned into a mentor is Ryan Flint. He's like, be oh, present, yeah. be present Ryan's in everything awesome. you do. Yeah. He's a good buddy of mine. We, we were actually, actually just texting, oh, awesome. you know, we're hoping, hoping to meet up soon. Um, but he'd be present in everything you do and do everything a hundred percent. And I think about it, you know, I want to do it in, in our dealerships. Now we have thousands and tens of thousands of customers. And so it's so easy to get away from that of just these, you know, turning and burning through customers because it's a volume game, right? Yeah. Every single person walks in there and it goes back to what you talked about before is their experience. Mm -hmm. How are they feeling when they leave or how are they feeling when, you know, they go home? Cause they just, I mean, you just cut them up, right? Yeah. And they're hoping, I hope it looks good. Yeah. Like I, I don't know what happened. I'm bandaged up. I got things going on. I'm yeah, swelling up. You, like though. it's just so much trust. And I love that you look at them like your wife or your mom, because that, you know, for people listening to this and you can, you can trust Dr. Chitty. He's, he's absolutely amazing because most people, I'm not going to speak for like medical and, you know, I'm not going to blanket this, but honestly, most people think that it's just a turn and burn in a volume. You know, I heard of a doctor one time, I was like, if I mess up, I got insurance. I don't really care. I'm like, well, I'm not going to you, dude. Like, yeah. and this was more on the, the orthopedic fix it side. He's yeah. like, oh, if I don't get it, I don't get it. I got insurance or whatever. I'm like, well, why would I go to you, man? You really don't care about fixing. Yeah. Um, but I would say most people in medical um, probably do want to help. I mean, that's what yeah, I get I in it. I, at least I hope they want to get in it. Yeah, there's some people that are maybe a little jaded or, you know, especially when it comes to insurance, a lot of people are, it's volume for them to be right. able to recoup even just a portion of what, you know, the insurance is collecting for, from that patient or what they're billing. And so I definitely get where that can come from in patients. Um, you know, in our in our sense, it's all cash pay. So people are trusting us. They're literally saying, here, I'm going to buy, you know, buy the surgery from you pretty much for cash. And so there's, there's like, to me, it's like this trust that you mentioned. Right. But like, really, like, I want to do my best for that patient, you know, and, and I'd rather to me, 
yes, the the volume is high. It is the the quantity is high, but it it could always be higher. I don't want it to be, right. you know. And yeah, sure, I could the operate quality over. Yeah, it's quality yeah. for sure, and I have to check that constantly. And I'm like, look, if our quality is suffering, we got to back off on the quantity, you know. Right. My friend sent me a TikTok this morning and I, there's a guy, I can't remember his name. Awesome. He's talking about, there's three things. It can be fast, it can be cheap or be good. Right. You can't have all three, you can have two. Right. Right. So and I was thinking about that. Like, yeah, I can do your surgery super fast and super, super good, but it's not gonna be cheap. Right. And right. so he goes to that whole thing. But I thought about that and I was like, you know, that's, that's my mentality. And, and that's why I even closed my books. I'm like, there's so many people like are wanting to do this. I don't want them being disappointed and waiting and doing that. There's plenty of other surgeons. And so just trying to control, you know, the fire hydrant and just, you know, trying to control right. that a little bit because I, I don't like to me at the end of the day, like it's not about the quantity. Right. I could turn into that. But if I start having that mentality where it's just about the numbers, that person becomes a number and does not, is not my patient. That's not right. my, my sister, or my mom anymore. That's someone who I'm just looking at to get done so I can go do whatever I want to do. Right. And I don't look at it that way. Oh, that's awesome, man. I think that's, that's so big for people to, to learn and understand and really think about. So, you know, if you're listening to that, really, you know, think about that, meditate on that. How are you dealing with customers? What are you doing? I think it's so powerful because I hate when people just turn and burn through the volume. Now there are, mm-hmm. there are volume companies out there in volume yeah. business that, you know, that that's life, but I guess dealing with people, I don't feel like that should ever be a, that's non-negotiable. Like you can't be a yeah. volume person just burning through people. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's important. So you know, wrapping this up, one thing I want to ask is, uh, another thing I want to ask is where can people find you at? I know I've already said it, yeah. but I want to get your socials out there. I want to get people following Thank you because you. you have, you know, not only you're, but you're freaking entertaining, dude. I love, <laughs> I love everything you do. So where can people follow you at? So my main uh, Instagram is Dr. Chitty, just D-R-C-H-I-D-D-Y. That's the same on TikTok, Instagram. Um, you can find me on Facebook. It's just Jerry Chittister um, on there. I have a professional account. I have a YouTube channel. It's Dr. Chitty as well. Nice. I don't post as much on there, but yeah, those are right. all, it's pretty easy. It's all Dr. Chitty across then the board. Then you got the, the plastics at the, the plastics yep, clinic. At the plastics, plastics clinic. clinic. There's an okay. essay in the plastics. Yep. So plastics clinic on Instagram. And you can find that under my profile. Awesome. Um, and we are on TikTok as well. Yeah, dude, and you're, again, everybody listen to this, go follow him. He's super entertaining. Makes you just die laughing. And, and you've given me a lot of ideas for our dealership suit, just by the way, awesome. because I'm like the way you introduce your, <laughs> your employees or the way you talk about it or just doing dances. Now, I don't have as many uh, personalities, I guess, just entertaining personalities that work for me. So it's really hard getting some of these uh, people to, to do this, but I got goals. And one thing I want to ask, last thing I'm going to ask you, and I ask everybody this, put you on the spot. Mm-hmm. Success is what to you? What does success mean? Success is temporary because I feel like if you achieve success in whatever your goal is set, you need to set another goal. If you feel like you've succeeded in whatever it is, whether it's your business, your life, your marriage, in, in my opinion, you haven't, you failed because you you don't recognize that this is a, it's a continuum. It's not, it's not like an end point. In my opinion, you should always be looking ahead. Right. You know, if I were to say, you know, a year ago, success, I'm booked out, whatever duration. Well, you know, there's so many opportunities and things I've learned from that. And like I said, this mentality change that I've had in terms of how to try to treat patients holistically, um, I wouldn't have had that moment. And so that's what success is to me. Success is temporary. That's awesome. That's powerful. And I honestly, I've never heard it put that way, but it just makes so much sense. I love that. I'm, I'm going to listen to the back, that back again. And <laughs> I love that. Dr. Chetty, thank you so much for being Thanks, on this. Man. I appreciate Jason, you awesome, so much, bro. dude. I, I've been looking forward to this a long time since we, since <laughs> yeah, we, sorry, chatted. I ditched you on Friday. Hey dude, <laughs> my meeting ran so long. <laughs> I was watching you on Facebook, Instagram all day, man. That's awesome what he's doing, but thank you so much. And we will see everybody else on 
Culture Camp next Monday. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to the Culture Camp Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, leave a five-star rating on your podcast player and share this episode with your team.